0: Well that is a common sort of thought that people have. I remember one church where uh, I'd been before over the years and at the end of the first morning service a little girl came up to me and she said, hey mister, don't you have any other clothes? (laughs) What can I say? Um, Of course it does have the opposite problem. I'm walking down the Uh, runway, airport, um, you know, those extendable things they have at airports and I see someone getting off the plane and coming on the other end and he's looking at me. But then as I get closer, he's not looking at me, he's looking at my vest. And as he gets up to me, he says, I know that vest. (laughs) I thought, what about the good looks? What about the... (laughs) Oh, well, he did know who I was, he put two and two together. All right, now what we're doing this morning is again reminding you up the back there's not a book table but your bookshop has reminded me they still have some books left from last year so if you're looking for the creation guys' work or creation researchers' kids' books and that there are some left over there but we have a new brochure here on all of our creation discovery centres and it has the contact phone number. So as one brother said, I'm going to Tasmania, how do I get down there? Uh, Well, as I said, in the first service, Craig and his wife, Rochelle, have just won the Golden Award for Tourism Venues in Tasmania on Friday night. So we're thrilled with that. So go to Sea World at one end and Creation Discovery Museum at the other. So all of the the contact numbers are there. Um, Someone came up to me and said, uh, my brother has got some of these T-shirts. How do I get them? The answer is there's an address on the bottom. It's us. So you get them from there. They're still available, and there's an even bigger range now than there was before. And uh, I've got some good news. You see, earlier this year, not too long ago, we did some broadcasts for your young people. So we'll be playing some of those tonight, uh, or at least one of them, uh, in the service, just to show you what is going on as well. But if you want to find out more about the ministry, pick up the newsletter. It's free as if ever. all the brochures up the back and you'll enjoy them up there. Now, let's get this thing going. Here we are, there we are. I've got a few things to do before you guys flick your video on up the back. All right, now I was sharing this morning uh, about the good news that uh, we have now got some full-time workers in Australia, which is a real answer to prayer. Of course, if computers would always do the right thing when you hit the right button, That would be great. Let's do that one. Now, from the current slide, it should now do its thing. Yes, it did. Look, that's great. Now, there's me and there's Joseph. And this was taken a picture, uh, remember, before COVID? The world did exist before COVID. And uh, Joseph was coming to Australia. And this was our promotional photo. You'll see he looks a bit younger, I look a bit younger. The same deadhead is in the middle and he doesn't look any older today. Um, so there's our creation research promo from 2018. Now, the good news is we just brought Joseph out here during university holidays because he's now a university student. But the good news is after he went back, he was able to go full-time for the ministry. So Joseph became our first full-time worker in England for creation research. And at the same time, he's doing his PhD in, um, well, how do you describe it? I mean, he plays with fancy big electronic machinery and he goes looking for DNA molecules in dinosaur blood. <laughs> now, this is not an everyday activity that most people understand, but uh, really what's annoying the evolutionists is in their theory that dinosaur blood is hundreds of millions of years old max, so it shouldn't have any of these things left in it. But Joseph has been granted access to one of the world's best machines, brand-new, off-the-marketplace shelves, and the university wants it tested. So they are willing for Joe to do a very provocative test and uh, he's got the full cooperation of the university. So pray for Joe. He's our first British full-time worker. He's definitely getting all the, the, the help and encouragement in doing his PhD from the university and doing very well uh, in this, and uh, he's up to the stage where because we've set up a museum in England, uh, there's our Creation Research Centre, uh, it's a museum site now. It was abandoned during COVID, and we were praying for a site to put out our fossils over there because we do have a few of them. There's just one of the rooms, right? We have hundreds and hundreds. After all, John Mackay has been going to England for 40 something years. Uh, definitely called of the Lord to go to England and preach and teach and the Lord has accumulated lots of things there and now Joseph's uh, on the bandwagon as well and so we were praying for a place to put them and uh, during COVID, a big furniture display shop, oven place uh, it basically was sitting there doing nothing and so Joe approached the owner and the owner was so thrilled to actually have someone who wanted to use his building um, that he gave us a sort of a five-year lease with almost nothing, uh, so that was that was thrilled. I mean, we do pay for it, but it's it's uh, compared with what it would be worth in normal times. He was just thrilled to have a customer in there, and the funniest thing, he was doubly excited because it was going to be a creation museum, and to add to that, he's a Muslim. Would you pray for him, right? Because he's so excited to see the evidence for creation. Um, now we have to remind him who the creator is because, you see, the clash between Christianity and, uh, and Islam is that Allah is not the creator. Allah is not the saviour. Um, pray for him because he's, like most Muslims in England, he's nominal. He doesn't know his Quran any better than the average person does. So pray for this museum. Pray for Joe because the museum's been such a success. We have all sorts of old things come. I mean, old people come and old things to look at. Um, but we are now looking for a second full time worker in England, and I'd really appreciate your prayers uh, for Joe and for the team there. We have a trust that's looking after Joe's finances, and I'll be honest, he goes through a lot more than they can provide, so thank you for your support. I'm just about to play a video clip from him because you remember he came here, and uh, we're grateful for your support because. Joe chews up all of his support in England and quite a bit what we can send him as well. So last night, he knocked together a video to say hello to you over here. It's five years since he's been here, before COVID, and we haven't yet been able to get him back out, but we're planning on something like that. So if you guys can cut me out and play that video clip, I'll slip out of the road.
1: G'day all of you over at Good Shepherd Baptist Church. It's been, what, five years or something, Uh, six years, since I uh, visited you and a lot has happened in the last few years. Um, You'll know that I got married. Sarah Ann is just behind the camera at the moment. You'll get to see her in a second. Uh, And we've established fully creation research here in the UK. And uh, I'm looking forward to the time when I can come back and visit Australia and yourselves, of course, One of the big projects that we've done, which we particularly uh, want or need prayer for, is the creation research. Museums Project. You'll know that the Museums Project is exploding around the world. Uh, the new museum in Brisbane near you uh, has uh, has opened as well as down in Tasmania. Jurassic Arc has been there for years. We've also got a museum being set up in the USA which I've been involved in with our uh, USA rep, Glenn Wilson, Dr. Glenn Wilson. But we've really managed to establish a big creation museum here in the UK called the Creation Research Center. We've been open for about a year now, and actually just uh, next week, uh, we're doing a huge amount of renovations as we prepare to get the whole museum set up ready for visitors uh, by next year. Now you join me in our hotel room which is in the middle of London which is not the natural habitat for Indiana Joe uh, but in particular as you receive this message I will uh, have uh, be about in the evening time over here in the UK about half the way through uh, preaching a sermon at Westminster unfortunately not the Abbey that would be wonderful um, <laughs> (laughs) but we're in a a big evangelical church right in the middle of London, so do pray for that and for the many other ministry opportunities that we have coming up around the UK. And then also just sort of looking ahead a little way, we're going to the USA next year. We went this year to kind of relaunch the ministry over there, much, much needed with the office pretty much having shut down over COVID. So we went there uh, this year. I'll be going again uh, next year. So do pray for that as we do research and uh, revive the ministry. And I'm praying that we'll have the opportunity soon to be able to come and see you again and do a tour through Australia. But uh, let me just take the camera back and uh, turn it all the way round, because there's sarah Um I've just got a couple of quick questions for you sarah Ann. so what do you do in the ministry now?
2: So aside from looking after Joe, which is obviously my main role, um, and much needed, definitely, um, I take care of the administration and the media, so I edit all our talks and prepare them for uploading to YouTube, Um, edit things like Around the Museum with Diane and Joe, and for the admin I deal with things like some of the orders, I deal with all the newsletter send outs, uh, update the website, things like that.
1: Okay, well secondly, what has the last three years of marriage and ministry taught you
2: i think one of the main things it's taught me is is to trust god in all circumstances obviously i'm still learning that and will still be learning that till the day i go to heaven but um yeah just to trust god in all circumstances even on the face of it it doesn't look like that this is what is the right thing to do
1: all right and uh, finally how can good shepherd baptist church pray for you specifically
2: um well thank you very much for being willing to do that first of all um i think some of the main points would be uh, for my mental health because i've had i have struggled a little bit with depression and anxiety over the past few years i don't adapt to change very well and so that's been quite hard um also for just for wisdom and blessing of children because we've had a few struggles in that department as and, and difficulties
1: All right, so there you go. So thank you so much for praying and for your continued support. And again, I look forward to the day when I can come uh, back and see you all in person once more. A Couple of quick, just little reminders. Uh, you can sign up to our UK newsletter. Obviously you get updates from John, you get updates in the main uh, Creation Research newsletter, but you can sign up to the UK newsletter to follow where we are and what I'm doing personally, uh, which is at uh, creationresearchuk.com. Secondly, I've just recently started a Telegram, Uh, channel, um, which is where you can actually follow me publicly uh, to try and instead of doing all you know the blogs and all that kind of stuff and I don't do social media too brilliantly but I thought we'd make a telegram channel uh, where I can put up prayer requests, where you can follow me, where you can see what I'm doing, where I'm preaching, what's going on, so you just go uh, to the telegram app if you have it and search for Joseph Hubbard Creation Research or Indiana Joe and uh, I should come up and you can just follow me and uh, and see what I am and where I'm going. Also, finally, before we say goodbye, a new thing that which we launched for the whole of Creation Research, which is well worth knowing about, is Creation Research TV. It's a 24-hour broadcast. goes out around the clock, 24-7. goes out on YouTube. It's Creation Research TV. It's completely free, it's available on our YouTube channel and it's all stuff creation research and there are hundreds of hours worth of content that goes out on there around the clock so you can put it up in your church lobby, you can put it up at home, you can leave it playing in the background, it's all great quality creation research stuff over the last 30-odd years of uh, media production, so go and check that out. Until we meet again, goodbye, God bless, thank you so much for your continued prayers and support, and we'll see you, Lord willing, very soon.
0: Well, thank you. It doesn't do any good clapping, he can't hear you. Uh, But pray particularly for him, and praise the Lord that The prayers that we began when the ministry started for young men in particular whose hearts are right before the Lord, who want to do God's will, not just get paid for doing some interesting scientific research, um, has really been answered. So praise the Lord for Joe, praise the Lord for Craig, because both of these guys came and saw me. I didn't apply to them, I didn't put an application out. But both of them came up and said we feel called of God uh, to actually be part of what you're doing and every test we put them through showed they actually were called of God and the results have proved that. I am praying for another young man here, particularly based in, in southern Queensland. So if that's you, come and see me about it and we'll talk further. We need a young man willing to proclaim the truth of God who's got some sort of scientific background and the ability to share the truth and not worry about opinions or uh, career jobs or anything like that. Okay, they've asked me to talk about um, how old are things. It's a young world after all. It's not really a normal sermon that I get uh, asked to do on a Sunday morning. Let's see what we can do. You see, we're building on part one, but if you weren't here for part one, you'll get enough revision. Uh, There's the real history of the world. In the beginning, God created. You remember our Bible reading? It finished off with the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. There was no death in the beginning. Adam and Eve were not created to die. They had access to the tree of life. But when they sinned, the tree of life, they were removed from it. From that point on, somehow or other, they would surely die. They had sinned and God had warned them, that the wages of sin is death. And then you have Noah's flood. And despite the fact that Lamech, Noah's father, was a godly man, none of Noah's brothers and sisters were on that ark. You do realise the truth separates? The family mostly rejected God. Lamech died the year the flood came, but before the flood. But none of his kids, except for Noah, were on board that boat. Um, That is a good picture there sometimes of your family, isn't it? Sad but true. And then you have the Tower of Babel. And people, of course, you'll notice the numbers down there, 930, 969, Methuselah, the Tower of Babel. The average age after then is about 600. And then, of course, none of you here are going to live anywhere near 600 years, no matter what the medical scientists promise. And then, of course, the whole history of the Bible begins with the world made very good. You have God's word on it. You have the good God who decides what good actually is. And then when sin came in, he kept his word. You will surely die. And then he warned people about sin because the picture that you see of God from cover to cover is a God who exalts goodness and hates sin. He hates it now just as much as he ever hated it. Despite the fact that the politicians are passing rules that say you you can't sort of uh, condemn homosexuality, they have to take God on because he does. Right? He hates evil of any sort. So you end up having a flood to judge the world, you end up having the tower of babel and the separation of what will become called the races by and large, the different people aborigines, Europeans, Chinese, etc. We're setting up some new displays over at the Creation uh, Discovery Centre, we have a whole history of Australia's Aborigines. It's called From Bokkabilla to Babel and Not That Long Ago. (laughs) You see, how old is the world? How long have they been here? Now, I've been to the Philippines. Do you realise they didn't evolve there 60 million years ago? They didn't evolve there 50 million years ago or 10. The world's not that old. Oh, you see, I've got God's word on it. You see, by the time you get to Jesus, you're already not tens of thousands of years into history. You're four or 5,000 years at the most. By the time you get to us, well, you're another 126 generations further down. Have you ever noticed something about the biblical history? From creation and and fall up to Noah is really only a short number of generations because they all lived so long. Methuselah knew who his great-grandfather was. They were both alive at the same time. There were no secrets in those days. You couldn't hide anything from your family. They'd lived with you for so long. By the time you get to Babel, the lifespan is shortening. By the time you get to Abraham, it's getting even shorter. I mean, shorter? Yeah, he died when he was 175. That's enormous. But, you see, compared to Methuselah, Methuselah lived a long, long time. And Jesus... Well, Jesus, he was dead about 33, wasn't he? But we put him to death. He became the willing sacrifice. As we read in Corinthians, this is going to deal with the last enemy to be overcome. Jesus, now there's us. Now, let's be honest. Most of you get to be as old as me. You want to get out of here. Isn't this true? I mean, do you really want to stay here for another 900 years? Mr. Biden, Mr. Albanese, do you really want to get stuck here on this planet? Um, All right. Of course, the whole history of the Bible and the whole importance of how old this world is is to do with the rest of the story. 1 Corinthians talks all about if it's not true that Christ rose from dead, then of all people, you Christians are deluded. You are the most stupid people on the planet. But it is true that Christ has risen from the dead and then it leads up until it tells you that exciting news in verse 26, and the last enemy to be defeated will be death. Are you looking forward to that? I mean, are you looking forward to the Lord's return and you can get to talk to Methuselah in the new heavens and new earth? And you can say, how on earth did you do it, Methuselah? And you say, what do you mean? How could you have one wife for 900 years? Maybe you'll have more serious questions than that. But what an interesting time when no longer will death occupy. There'll be no industry of death insurance and life insurance. You see, by the time you go from creation to fall to flood to Babel down to Christ, you've got about four to 5,000 years most. And then you... What's the year, 2023? You see, the interesting thing is the biblical picture from the first time I read it, I'll be honest, not raised in a church, as I read the Bible from cover to cover without going to church, my first impression was this doesn't talk about a world like the one I've got in my head. This doesn't talk about a world that's millions of years old or even tens of thousands of years old. This is not even like what they're teaching me well, when I went to school, kids, I have to tell you this, the state schools were actually defined as Protestant. They were. That was the definition. And so the teacher was free to read you the Bible every morning. They weren't free to comment on it, and we prayed the Lord's Prayer every morning. So we had an outline view of history, but you didn't study the Bible. Hmm. You heard about it, but in reality, from the time of Jesus to the present 2,000 years, 2023 AD... But you see, you never heard the rest of the story. Do you see how I've got a big red X at the bottom? Because when Jesus returns, the last enemy to be destroyed will be death. Uh, Put it in time perspective. And then we'll discuss why this matters, particularly the social issues in Australia. One of the videos we'll play tonight that we did for the young people, you will enjoy seeing it because it's got a really good crunch point about Australia. One of the things we're doing over at the New Museum is making sure you can't leave that building without seeing the real picture of history. Adam, roughly 6,000 years ago. Noah, roughly 4,300. When I say roughly, don't hear me wrong. You see, when it says and Noah was 500, that's, that's when you first come across him. You haven't got any information on Noah for 499 years except who his father was. You know, his father was the godly Lamech who actually lasted 777 years, a really interesting figure. But Noah, Noah was 500. He pops onto the scene and it said, Noah had three sons. I've mentioned before what a shock that must have been. 500 years without kids, without nappies, without... I wonder what it'd be like. 500 years to get your career going. 500 years. Oh, question. Was he 500 years in one day or was he 500 years in 364 days? You don't know. You're already plus or minus one out. Now, that's the closest you can get in the biblical chronology and if that worries you, then come and do geology with me. The world is 23 billion years, plus or minus $100 million. And they're worried about a chronology in the Bible? What hypocrites. By the time you get to Babel, roughly 4,200 years ago, and there wasn't yet Australian Aborigines. And there wasn't Chinese. Now, are you willing to wear God's glasses? Because that's what this is all about. One reason I love Good Shepherd is because you want to know what God says. Your pastors want to teach what God teaches and want to be faithful so that on judgment day, the Lord will say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Well done, you people in the congregation who wanted to believe. Because the big clash here when it comes to the age of the universe is I don't want to listen to what God said. You see, that's been the overt, the overt aim in modern science about the age of the universe. Remember what I mentioned in the first service, the the Sunday school? The science teacher's definition of what science is, published officially in the Science Teacher's Journal. Science is any naturalistic explanation without reference to God. Quote, unquote. Now, if you want to know how old the world is and you decided to leave God out, no wonder the age of the earth doubles every 20 years. You're not interested in truth. You just want to be the top of the theory pile and get your Nobel Prize. Sad. They don't have any value for the age of the universe because the next scientist will change it. They want to leave God out. The man who gave us the modern scientific method, I've quoted him so often, Charles Lyell, my aim is to free science from Moses. Hey, Moses, Ada, Adam, Moses, Noah, Moses, the Tower of Babel. You get rid of those first three starting blocks, Your building's not sitting on anything. Adam, 6,000 years or so. Babel, 4,200 years and there wasn't one person outside of the Middle East. By the time you get to Abraham, they've started to move around. And Abraham, of course, listens to his wife Sarah and takes her maid to be his wife and we end up with thousands of years of problems after that and we still have them. And the last enemy to be overcome will be death. Hmm, it's not happened yet, has it? Look at all the death and dying that's happening in the Middle East at the moment. And what they don't need is more guns, more bullets, more food. What they do need is Christians willing to die to spread the gospel. That's what they need. Moses, 3,500 years. Moses, Moses, the servant of God. I mean, if you were there at the bottom of Mount Sinai when Moses came down, covered in God's glory. I guess you would have run like the rest. Shut your eyes. You don't want to see the glory of God because your sin cuts you off from a holy God. And the scientist is like that. Their sin cuts them off from seeing the glory of God in creation. God made the world in how many days? Six days. Now you can't do that. Most of you can't even make a decent meal in less than 60 minutes. Jesus turned the water into wine like that. And remember the fish that he made? 5,000 people, enough fish? Man, he didn't go fishing for 10 hours to catch them. Moses, the man of God, who God gave the Ten Commandments to. In six days I made the heavens and the earth and the seas and everything that's in them. Correct? Mm -hmm. Exodus chapter 20, verse 11. And then the bit that we don't like. Therefore, therefore you'll work for six days and you'll rest on the seventh. Oh! And then you get to the New Testament. Sin is breaking the law. For any of you who think the Old Testament law is gone, I'm sorry, the New Testament defines sin as breaking the law that God gave Moses. So if you want to preach the gospel of God's forgiveness, the gospel of forgiveness in Christ, you have to begin with what God says is right and wrong. You have to begin with a holy, righteous God who has every right to tell you what the rules are because he invented everything. Hmm. Moses, 3,500 years ago and built into the law of Moses was the promise given to Eve. You see, when you have a look at the day the Jews set aside, remember Passover? The angel of death would pass over and you would, if your family was covered by the shedding of the blood of an innocent lamb without blemish in the first year of its life, there's the picture of Jesus hanging on a cross. You can't preach the gospel if you ignore what's happened before it. You see, when it comes to Australia, hey, look, one of those blokes is here today. Two of those blokes are here today. One of them hasn't got a beard. Um, you see, if you can find Daniel, he's up the back there somewhere along with his lovely wife and new baby. Um, I won't tell you what his name is because I don't know yet. Last time I met it a week ago, it didn't have a name. So it's fairly new on the planet. But look in the middle. He, he's not an American Indian. He's a native-born original, Aboriginal. Aboriginal, by the way, is a word that just means the people who live here. Um, you can have aborigines in South America, aborigines in North America, aborigines in Babel, if you like. Hmm. Okay. Now I was preaching in his church. He's an Aboriginal pastor, and he does not believe the rubbish about them being here. Well, oh, come on, you heard it all about it in the referendum we had. Aborigines have been here for sixty-five thousand years. I remember one clergyman's son who wrote a big letter to the Christianity Coalition saying, they've been here for so long, we must listen to them. And uh, he knows very well that the one thing the Aborigines didn't listen to was the Lord God, who actually was at Babel and judged them. And they left and they didn't listen and they didn't take a written record with them and their stories of the flood, yes, they've got the flood, but they're backwards Come with me to Ayers rock a Now, Joe, who you saw before, is one of the last group of people who was allowed to climb that five years ago. Do you know why he wanted to climb it? Because the local story is that there's a sacred rock here. The serpent is underneath. You've got to respect it. You can't walk over the serpent's grave. The serpent? The serpent is the one who rescued them from the waters of the flood and put the people up on the top and we became the first people. By the way, who do you think that serpent is? You see, the rainbow serpent is the personification of Satan. He's the hero of the story. They've got it absolutely backwards because, well, you know, you've played that game Whispers, haven't you? When you don't have the original and you start telling people, have you noticed how much gets added on? Have you noticed how much gets changed? Have you compared it 20 people down the line? Well, I'm sorry, the same thing has happened to Aboriginal stories. Pray for the Aboriginal pastors who believe God's word to be true. And we were down in their area because we were actually going out into the edge of the desert and we were running experiments on how long rocks take to fall. Yes, I know you don't normally get sermons on a Sunday morning how long rocks take to fall, but you will enjoy it. Yeah, the world's not overcrowded, by the way, have you noticed? most of Australia is empty Uh, and uh, there's John Mackay, the creation guy. It's sort of winter out in the desert and I'm digging holes in the sand. Now normally you go to the beach to do this, correct? Uh, But we have a real purpose here. We're in this big dry creek bed and I'm digging a hole in the sand and uh, my friend Daniel had found this creek bed along with these lovely, can you see the mineral sands there? The mineral sands are very helpful because they create (coughs) layers you can spot. Uh, Get up closer. Can you see the sand has got layers in it? Good. And you go to the Grand Canyon and the top layer is sort of 300 million years younger than the bottom layer. And you have all the belief that the bottom layer got there first, then the next layer, then the next layer, and it took vast amounts of time. Therefore, how could you believe the Bible to be true? How could you fit the whole history of the universe into the biblical record? I was asked a question like that down the back during break. You see, you and I are raised with a view that we are never told was deliberately done to leave God out. We are taught science on the ABC. We read it in textbooks. We get it from schools. That's deliberately done so that you don't appreciate the work of Moses. What did I say Lyle said? My aim is to free science from Moses Now, you don't get told that. I didn't know that as a geology graduate. I had to find that out the hard way. You go out in the field and say, this doesn't make sense. Something's wrong here. You know what ends up being wrong? It's one of the experiments we did with Joseph when when, when he came out here to show him what we'd found. No, I didn't invent this experiment. We borrowed the idea from an Austrian who uh, wrote a book. Not very helpful because it didn't... An old Austro-German. Um, but fortunately, the university librarian said, well, I, I can give you an English translation and help you with it. And do you know what he said? When you actually walk across the beds, you know Venice, the town that's sinking? He, he was given the job of trying to stabilise the buildings and he discovered something that's been absolutely ignored. He said, when you walk along the sand, it doesn't get older from the bottom to the top, that... The beds grow sideways. But then again, that should have been so obvious. The whole delta grows sideways. And he found lots of other interesting things too. So in 2018, when Joseph came here and he wasn't full-time then and you weren't supporting him except in prayer and praise, so praise the Lord, he's now full-time and looking for a second worker full-time, we ran this experiment. It involves lots of water. Now, have you noticed something about water? Kids love it. Don't they love it? Yeah, they do. And they were noticed as the water came out because we had a mixture of mineral sands and we had a mixture of ordinary sand. But the amazing thing was we discovered that our friend from Venice was absolutely right. The beds formed from left to right. And see all these nice layers at the bottom? Black, white, black, white. Just like in that creek bed. The time it took to form those layers was two minutes. Black, white, black, white. And they formed sideways. But then when water's involved, that's what water does, doesn't it? It rains over here, the water flows sideways. And you think, that's so obvious. Yes, it is. And therefore it's deliberately ignored. Um, Back to the creek. There's Daniel. What a good-looking beard, hey? You could hide behind that. Yeah, from all sorts of things. Bullets, wasps, you know. Uh, Do you see some of the layers there? And look, here's another one of my friends from Cobar Baptist. He and I were out looking, doing research in the bush there. But we needed a witness. You see, we didn't know because we never watched it. How long did that sand take to get there? But our friend told us about the guy who worked in the railway and the guy whose train went over that bridge every day. And he said, well, he can tell you because he's watched this creek rise and fall and rise and fall. And you know what he said? I saw this sand come in one day. The river floods. After all, if you want to do real research, the Bible says the wall was covered with water. All the highest hills under the whole heavens were covered. And the water had come down from the heavens, correct? It had come up from below. And the water from the heavens had hit the highest hills under the whole of the earth and run off. You realise once water runs off, it goes sideways? Have you ever stood and tried to be a King Canute and stop the tide? You realise when the tide comes in, it goes sideways? Water does that. It just doesn't usually hang around doing nothing. So he said, I watched it. It came from that way. It went down there and by the afternoon, all that sand was there, which meant those deposits form sideways and they formed in one day. Wow, that's just like what we did at Jurassic Park with Joseph. But then again, we shouldn't have been surprised. That's what they've known since the late 1700s, early 1800s in Venice. And I repeat again, it's totally ignored. You know why it's totally ignored? It sounds too much like Noah's flood, where the water came down and it rose higher and higher till the whole of the earth was covered. And even when it ran off, have you watched water run off in a flood? It goes sideways. I know this, you see, because I'm one of the few people who sat in a flood and watched it. I know this is not normal, but then I'm not normal. I I watched a flood in Washington State. I found a big culvert and it had got blocked up with debris. And I sat there and I watched three days. There are more exciting things to do, by the way. But I watched, I photographed, and in three days, 400 layers formed along the edge of that bank. Not because they form one on top of the other, but because they came down from the hill and they form sideways. Hmm. I sat in the, in the flood beds of Nova Scotia. Yes, if you want to meet mosquitoes up front and big, then go and do that. But you'll see the layers form sideways. I watched them do that. Hmm. And we watched that at Jurassic Arc. See the layers sideways? Hmm. In fact, if we cut out a little bit, what does that remind you of? I mean, this is Jurassic Arc. We've carved out a nice big channel down because it's just like, hey, that's that's the Grand Canyon, isn't it? Isn't that the one they tell you, hey, this means the layers at the bottom? Well, the big bubbly rocks at the bottom are older than 600 million years, my professor told me. And then the next lot up, they formed about 500 million years ago. That's when life had evolved on the planet because there's fossils there. And by the time you get up to the top, there's tourists messing around with everything and ruining the world. Um, That's the Grand Canyon. But once you realise those layers form sideways, they didn't form one on top of the other... And they're deliberately reading it that way because my aim is to remove Moses from science. You remove Moses from science, you can't see Noah's flood. You won't see creation. You'll ignore any evidence that contradicts you. Now, aren't you trained to believe that scientists are objective? Aren't you trained to believe that they're after the facts? I hate to tell you this, most of them just have a job and they do whatever their bosses tell them to do and they want to keep their career. Uh, once you begin to believe, remember I think I shared with you last year that I tweaked to this because I had a professor come in one day, a very globally international professor, and he said, I hate to tell you this, students but the rocks in the Grand Canyon form sideways. What? And he never said another word about that in the rest of the years I was at Queensland University. They're rotten sod. I have to go and find out. And I've been to the Grand Canyon many times. If you want to know why I'm moderately fit in my old age, I've walked that Grand Canyon up, down, along, etc. That's jolly good exercise. Particularly when you've got to go to the bottom and come back to the top in one day. That's really exhausting exercise. Hmm. But my professor was right. The rocks in the Grand Canyon formed that way. Hmm. Whoops. Not millions of years of evolution at all. Because evolution comes from you saying... These fossils here lived and died before these ones evolved and lived and died before these ones evolved and lived and died and your basic belief is the bottom layer got there first and that's based on your belief that you don't want to listen to Moses. But they never take you there. You need to put God back in your thinking and say, but if God's word is true and he made the world about 6,000 years ago, and there were no Aborigines in Australia till at least 4,200 years ago and somewhere between the two there was a big flood, what would the evidence look like? You see, when you're dealing with rock layers, you're not dealing with vertical time but with horizontal processes. Horizontal processes, by the way, that you can duplicate. Look, test everything, says the scripture. Only keep the things that are true. Now... Do you realise that all these experiments the Lord has blessed us with insights to are not designed just to get a scientific publication? They're designed to encourage you to believe that God has told you the truth. They're designed to expose the lies that are so strongly embedded in your head that the bottom layer got there first and the last layer got there last. I'm sorry, that layer got there first and that layer is actually... Well, how how would you work this? Because it's not the bottom that got there first. The layer gets old sideways. The same layer can be different ages along the... Wow, boy, does that require some rethinking? And it's much tougher. Hmm. Let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. But it occurred to me one year that we were only telling you half the story. How would you duplicate Noah's flood? Because, you see, if you want money to uh, do research then I'll tell you what you can't touch. Joseph discovered if he wanted to apply for research on why climate change wasn't true, there was no money available. Sorry. I spoke to the chief grants officer in the UK government and he said, I've been told to only allow money for research that proves climate change. No money for anybody else. Wow. Do you realise if you apply for a grant, to prove that Noah's flood is true, you won't get sent unless you find a rich industrialist who's a Christian. So I thought to myself, well, if we wanted to run an experiment on something that nobody else ever has called the fountains of the deep. Remember the Bible said it rained for 40 days and 40 nights. The water hit the hills, went sideways. The tides came in sideways, two every day. Boy, what turbulence is going on. And then on top of that, the rain stopped. How many days did it rain, by the way? 40 days and 40 nights. What a rainfall. Man. But that's not it. You see, it said the water kept on rising for another 110 days. Do you check the details? Because the year of Noah's flood is the most detailed chronology in the whole of the Old Testament. Read it through sometime and you find seven days after this, 40 days after this. It's unbelievably detailed. And God has done this so you would know that he's not just telling you fairy stories. The Aboriginal story, the serpent delivered the people, the serpent's under the rock. No detail. Where is the serpent hiding? Oh, he's under the rock. Can I dig it up? No. No, you see, no tests, no nothing. So we ran some experiments on the fountains of the deep. Do you know what we did? We ran the water sideways, then we ran it up. You want to see the results? Look at that. Interesting. Oh, and then we're going to punch the water through the bottom through a little fountain. Would you like to keep watching and just see what happens? The water's going sideways. The beds are being built sideways. Now, what might happen next? Oh, look, there's some indication. There's some sinking. There's a, we've actually got a fountain coming up through the bottom and look what it's doing. Would you believe that that happens underwater? You see, in geology at Queensland University, they tell you if you see all these big synclines and anticlines, it's because the world has moved and everything's been shoved up and down. Well, nothing moved. The water has always gone sideways. The water comes up, and look at that. Look at this rift valley. And we didn't shift anything. We didn't tip the thing up. We just, well look, I'll show you a few more of these because they really are spectacular because we've been able to duplicate every landform basically that you can find. Uh, enough of that video. Look at that. Now nobody tipped the machine up. You, you go to geology course and you would learn that all these layers were laid down sideways. Then there was a massive subsidence and, and the land moved up and the land moved down. I'm sorry, none of that happened at all. You see, we just had a fountain running below. Look at those straight lines. You know, you get told about faults and folds. You didn't need to shove it up, shove it down, just pass water through it. How amazing. Do you realise that all of these formations are not time but process? That the books that we put in the bookshop and some of the others, like Tights and Mites, have got a lot of this in because the whole point of this morning's service on, well, before we get to our crunch line on aborigines again, is that it's not the evidence which contradicts the word of God. You do remember the rest of the section in Peter? But men who are willingly ignorant. Moses. I don't want to hear anything from him, said lawyer Charles Lyell, who wrote the book on geology. Do you realise lawyers know how to play with words? You do realise there are criminal lawyers, don't you? I mean, lawyers who claim to defend criminals, but in reality, they don't care about what the truth is. They're only interested in winning. And with a cleverer argument, they can win even with lies. Lyell was a lawyer and he wrote the book on how to lie about the evidence Darwin was his disciple and as a result you and I think the world the layers took millions of years old I remember talking to a professor of ancient Eastern Middle Semitic history now that's not exactly a common study but I asked him could you fit the whole of your history you know the tens of thousands of years from the Middle East to the present could you fit that in the biblical record he said yes I said well why don't you he said we don't want to now, there was no evidence there, just we don't want to. Do you know why they don't want it? Because that would put God in charge. That would put sin as the real problem and salvation as the only solution and it's disguised with you thinking, but we've proved the light takes millions of years to get here. No, you haven't. You've got assumption upon assumption upon assumption. Do you realise what we've just had to invent according to the latest science magazines? We've had to suggest there's been a second Big Bang why? Because the first Big Bang doesn't explain hardly anything, so we need a second Big Bang. And in fact, as one scientist says, we need the Big Bang because we can't explain anything without it. Oh, you know why they can't explain anything? Because they leave God out, because they don't want a God who can create the heavens and the earth in just six days, and therefore you have a, a Aboriginal history that, for the referendum's sake, they've been here for sixty-five thousand years. And half the Aboriginal pastors will teach that. Why? Because that's what Moore College taught them. They'll teach that. Why? Because there's land rights. There's money. Mm, how long he's been here? See that graph? Now, <laughs> I've got to tell you, uh, I not, not only did geology, I decided geology is about dead things. So I went and did three years of genetics and did it really well and I really enjoyed it. And this came out of there. Um, but it's not new. It had been around for ages. If you start with any sexually reproducing population, male and female, then that's what happens to their descendants. Almost nobody is there on the the planet to start with. Then all of a sudden, you end up with a mega growth. Hmm. Uh, If you want to know the mathematics, now I'll expect Dave, I'll test you over lunch as to how to work that one, but we won't go there for the rest of the congregation. What happens to populations, put it simply? If you want zero population growth, two people give two people give two people and two people die every time, the world's population stays at zero increase. Now, the Bible says Adam and Eve had Cain and Abel. Cain killed Abel, took his wife off and went lived in a city and then Adam and Eve had other sons and daughters. So they all had a minimum of five kids, not just two. So you'll find from then to Noah's day there's not zero population growth. By the time you get an expanding population let's imagine two people have four kids and each of the four kids has four kids. By the time this goes I tell you what, it doesn't take long. I mean come on mum and dad, you've just become a grandparent for the 15th time. You only had three kids. How did this happen? Well my Wife's mum and dad, by the time they got to die, they had 57 descendants. That's how it works. Which brings me up to this. You see, if you do the maths, um, even the population graph is predictable because this is what you get. I mean, we did this over and over again and the poor professor was embarrassed. I mean, he believed in millions and millions of years. And finally a student asked him, a very embarrassing question. You see, when you look at that graph, can you notice something interesting? Because National Geographic reproduced this graph and they had us, Well, come on. You see, by the year 2000, there's millions and billions of people. By the year 2075 at the top, there's 9.28 billion people, according to this mathematics. It's actually gonna look worse than that at the moment. But in reality, The world's population is increasing dramatically at the moment, Hmm. creating all sorts of problems. I mean, as National Geographic says, if it keeps going, we're all going to have two square metres each and we really need strong deodorants. (laughs) Hmm. But as one student asked while I was in third year genetics, hey, Professor, how come there's thousands of years of zero population growth at the beginning? And by the time you get to 4,000 years ago, all of a sudden it starts. Question, if you're a Christian, how many people are in your mind? Uh, Isn't Adam and Eve there? But you see, everybody on the planet bombs out by the time you get to Noah's flood, correct? And it all starts again from one family, roughly about 4,000 years ago. And then look what it's done. Uh, we don't need to go into all these numbers. and th- You get lost in them anyway. But you see, what it really means, when Europeans arrived in Australia, Aborigines had not been here for 65,000 years. There simply wasn't enough of them. If you say the Europeans had arrived in Indonesia, which they did just before, and the, Europeans, the Indonesians had been there for vast tens of thousands of years, you can almost get away with it because look at their population. Hmm. Funny thing, Aborigines have Indian genes. And if you use the genes to work backwards, at the most, they've been here 4,200 4, years. So do the dingoes. Do you realise there's all sorts of ways to look at this that end up with a biblical picture? Because, you see, the minute you start saying seven billion people, if, if we've got an old earth then you think of the gospel implications and this is the point I want to make to make you go and think and seriously share the gospel. If you're a Christian who believes the world is really old, you have an old earth, you have lots of problems, but you have no solution. If you're a Christian who believes the gospel, go into all the world and preach the good news that Jesus Christ died for sin, correct? And that sin is dealt with in faith in Christ and you're looking forward to a new heavens and earth? New earth where death will be no more. Aren't you looking forward to that? I mean, I'm already beginning to get pain back there and pain down here. 77 years, I'm doing moderately well. I did a field trip the other week up a cliff. I did the same trip 30 years ago and about a tenth of the time. (laughs) I'll tell you what, you slow down. But you see, you need to do this. If you don't start the Aborigines in Australia with Adam, then they have no gospel you can give them. If you're over here for 65,000 years, they're not related to Adam. And if you're not related to Adam, there's no gospel through Christ in you. Because in one man, Adam, came sin. And in one man, Jesus, came salvation. That's why Jesus is called the last Adam. But you see, if the Jews and the Arabs and the Aborigines aren't connected to Noah, do you realise you have to be connected to Noah's family in order to be eligible at all? For salvation? Because, you see, salvation is where someone who can guarantee you forgiveness actually can also give you her hereditary right to enter the kingdom of God. You have to be in the family. You see, salvation is an inheritance. You cut the Aborigines out of Noah's family, you have no gospel you can give them. And you can give them any political rights you like, but it won't benefit them at all. If you get rid of Moses then all of a sudden, you know what you can't define? What's right and what's wrong? Sin is breaking the law of Moses for the Aborigines. Sin is breaking the law of Moses for the Europeans. Sin is breaking the law of Moses for the Jews and you need to remind them of it because they're not obeying the law. Sin is breaking the law of Moses for the Arabs. Sin is only forgiven in Christ Jesus. Can I encourage you to realise we've taken a different tack today because this issue is so vital. It's not something. So it doesn't matter if the Anglican College believes the world's millions of years old. Yes, it does. It destroys their gospel. It destroys any hope of you being able to say we are looking forward to a time when death will be no more, and I won't have any aches and pains and tummy problems. And uh, yeah, are you looking forward to that, by the way? <laughs> are you willing to go out and preach the whole gospel, which begins with Genesis chapter one? You sang that lovely song about in the beginning was the word. Now go and live it and preach the whole of it. Pray for us as we set up the new Aboriginal display. I'm sure we will tread on lots of toes, but they need to be stomped on. They really do. Uh, I'm going to hand back now to you or Pastor. Pastor, thank you, sir.